Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. A series called Eyes Wide Shut. What I like about that series is how it has opened our eyes to the unseen realm. Our struggle, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but there are principalities, there are powers, there's the devil, there are demons, there are things in the unseen realm that we are fighting. And I want to say thank you for all the feedback I have received through this series. I have not had so much feedback from a series in a long time, such as our Eyes Wide Shut series. With that in mind, I thought, if our eyes are open to the unseen realm, then maybe it would be a good opportunity to put what I was going to share on hold and talk about the Holy Spirit. And so this whole series we've entitled Empowered, because one of the key things that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is empower you for Christian living. It's not just about going to church. In actual fact, going to church does not make you a Christian. Any more than sleeping in a garage does not make you a BMW. It does not change you in and of itself. We need something more than just church attendance. We need something more than just putting some money in the offering. We need something more than just reading our Bible. We need something more than just reading, uh, sorry, prayer. We need to be empowered in our life, in order to be able to live for Him. It's one thing to give your life to Jesus. It's another thing to live for Him. People often say, oh, I would die for you, Jesus. And you know what? I think I would. But I find it a lot harder to live for Him than to die for Him. To die for Him is easy. We go straight in the presence of God where there is no weeping, there is no sin, there is no poverty, there is no problems. I mean, that's easy. But staying here on planet Earth and living for Jesus in a corrupt society, in a corrupt world, that takes something beyond what I have naturally. And so this whole series is a series about the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Say, come, Holy Spirit. And so this series is about rediscovering, knowing, and experiencing the incredible power and person of the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is incredible. The Holy Spirit is Mr. Incredible. And when you have Mr. Incredible living on the inside of you, when you are full of Mr. Incredible, you can have an incredible life. And when we finish this series, I want to see your heads lifted. I want to see your chest out. I want to see you full of the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose of me sharing this message today. If you're not full of the Holy Spirit, you'll be full of something else. My question to you this morning is this, what are you full of? Turn to the person next to you and ask them, what are you full of? What are you full of? Some people are just full of it. What are you full of? We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And I hope at the end of this series and even the end of today, we will have a great appreciation for who the Holy Spirit is. See, many Christians today totally neglect the Holy Spirit. It's not that we deny His existence. 
It's just that we deny him experientially. The scriptures are full of the Holy Spirit. You can't be a Christian reading the Word of God and deny there is a Holy Spirit. But it's what we do with the Holy Spirit that is detrimental to our faith. We take the Holy Spirit, we just put him on a shelf. And we uh, neglect him, ignore him, and so do not receive him and live a life that is full of him. And so I want to read this morning, and the scripture will be up on the screen. It's Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 12 says this Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Everyone say obligation. obligation. But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. That's too easy. To go the way of all men, to do what everyone else is doing, that's not where our obligation lies. That's not where the challenge is. That's what Paul, the writer of Romans, is saying here. We have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So if we live by the Spirit, we can put to death the temptations that come to us in our fleshly bodies. And if we do that, then we will truly live. Jesus came that we might have life, have it to the full with a capital L, to the max. And we can only do that when we are full of the Spirit. For those that are led by the Spirit of God are indeed the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you will live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. For if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Who wants to share in His glory? This radiant glory of God. The Bible says that when we are full of the Spirit of God, when we live according to the Spirit, we can overcome the flesh and all its desires and we can truly live and we can live according to the glory of this God that we love and declare is King and Lord over all. Amen. And so this is the, this is the great challenge for us. Let's be honest. Christians are probably the worst advert for Christianity there is. Their long faces, their complaining, moaning, moaning attitudes are the worst advert for New Testament Christianity. And yet the best advert for Christianity are Christians that are full of the Spirit and overcome their circumstances no matter what they are going through. We see that with Paul and Silas who were thrown in a jail, but they were full of the Spirit of God. That is one of the greatest adverts for New Testament Christianity that no matter what happens to you, your joy does not have to be taken from you. But when we whinge and when we complain and when we blame and when we look at other people and say, why isn't that happening to me? Why aren't I being blessed? It's the worst advert for Christianity. Amen. And so what I want to do this morning, very quickly, is talk about what this series is not. And then what we're hoping to achieve from this series, and then we're going to quickly look at who the Holy Spirit is. And then we're going to have communion. And then I will get changed, maybe. Or maybe this is the new me. Maybe this is how I will go doing life for the rest of my life. Anyway, so... Red's my colour, yeah? 
I was going to do Superman, but I thought, no, red's more my thing. Anyway, um, what it is not, what it is not. This series is not here to fully explain the Holy Spirit. One, because you can't and nor can I. I'm going to try my best to explain the unexplainable. So it's not a full in-depth study nor Bible study of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, it's not just about gaining more knowledge. We're not here today just to gain more knowledge about the Holy Spirit. In actual fact, I would say most of us have enough knowledge already. It's not the knowledge that's our problem. It's what we are doing, or more to the point, what we are not doing with the knowledge that we have. And so this is not for us just to gain more knowledge, to tickle our ears about an aspect of the Holy Spirit that we haven't maybe thought about before. Now we feel appeased because we've learned something and we do nothing with it. That is not the purpose of this series. It's not about going backwards. We have grown up and matured over the years and there are some things that we don't do anymore and we are unapologetic about that. At the end of this series, we are not going to go back to 1980s Pentecostalism. We're not going back to that. Some of you don't even know what I'm on about and that's good. I'm not going to explain it because if you don't know what I mean, you don't need to know what I mean. And if you do know what I mean, you know what I mean. We're not going back to that. Some of the weird excesses in the name of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's also not about minimizing the need for the spiritual gifts. Granted, there have been many misuses to the gifts, but the Bible does say that we need to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Amen? I believe with all of my heart, we need more of the Holy Spirit. In actual fact, I would say that most Christians are not lacking something. They are indeed lacking someone. And that someone is indeed the Holy Spirit. And so over the next few weeks, we want to look at who the Holy Spirit is. We want to look at the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, how to receive the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at a whole heap of things. And I trust it will empower you for New Testament Christian Living. Amen? Awesome. And so point number one. Some of you are wondering why I'm sitting down. And what you need to know is that I am three weeks off the back end of a full-blown hip replacement. And so week one after my replacement, I had a seat because I needed to take it a little bit easy apparently. But what the doctors did not cater or, or factor into my recovery was the incredible power of the Holy Spirit at work inside my body. And I have been incredibly healed at an incredible rate. And I'm very grateful to God. But I did think I would honor the doctor's advice. And so the first week I uh, sat up here on a stool. Here's the thing. I actually liked it. And so the next week, I, in, in accordance with doctor's orders, I sat on a stool just to take it easy. I'm going to be honest with you. There's, I do not need the stool today. I just like the stool. <laughs> I'm very comfortable on this stool in my red super suit. So I may be here a while. So just sit down, relax, and take it easy. <laughs> Not at all. So I will get up and down from this stall, I'm sure. Um, because talking about the Holy Spirit, it's really hard to sit down. But I do feel more intelligent when I sit down. I don't know if the suit nullifies the intelligence. But I feel intelligent and incredibly buff. It's all right. Okay, so number one, who is the Holy Spirit? 
That's what we're looking at today. The first part of our series is, who is the Holy Spirit? Number one, the Holy Spirit is a person. You've got to get this. The Holy Spirit is a person. Turn to the person and say, say this, he's a person. He's a person. I say that to say this, he's not a force. This is not Star Wars. We're on planet Earth. We're not in a galaxy far, far away. May the force be with you. We don't need the force. We need the power of the person of the Holy Spirit at work on the inside of us to turn our dull, boring, miserable lives into supernatural, superhuman, incredible lives. And that's not gonna happen with some force that's out there. We are here on planet Earth on assignment and God has given us the incredible third person of the Godhead to dwell within us. It's not a force. Don't ever refer to the Holy Spirit as it when it comes upon you. He is a person. How would you like to be called an it? The Holy Spirit is a person. He's not a force. He's not just an influence. He's not a style. People think the Holy Spirit is reserved for Pentecostal style type churches. He's not a style. He's not a force. He's not an influence. He is indeed a person. And he needs to be shown the respect that you would give to any other person and then some. Granted the Bible uses a lot of typology or symbolism to describe the person of the Holy Spirit. In the Word of God, we see the Holy Spirit comes upon people like a wind or like a dove. In actual fact, when Jesus Christ Himself was baptised, the Holy Spirit descended upon Him like a dove. But like a dove and being a dove are two different things. The Holy Spirit is not a dove. The Holy Spirit is not wind. The Holy Spirit is not fire. They are symbols used to highlight characteristics of His being. And so when He comes like fire, think about what fire does. Fire can warm you. Fire can comfort you. Fire can burn you. Fire can consume you. The Holy Spirit's capable of doing all that and more. When the wind came on the day of Pentecost, the doors were locked and all the doors and windows were blown open as the power of the presence of the person of the Holy Spirit came into that room and filled the believers in the upper room. He came like a wind. Being wind and being like a wind are two different things. Think about what wind does. Wind comes and blows things away. Sometimes he blows the bad things away. Sometimes he blows good things away, which are no longer good for you. He will do things in your life like a wind. We say we want more of God. Are you prepared for God to come in the third person of the Godhead as the Holy Spirit and blow upon you and blow some of the good things away in your life? Not just the bad things, but are we prepared to let go of some things and say, blow whatever needs to be blown away from my life? I thank God for the opportunity I have today to be able to stand before you. But I want you to know this, that the Holy Spirit has blown a lot of rubbish out of my life. Thank you, Jesus. But He's also blown a lot of good things too. I am not playing soccer for Manchester United because the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life and blew soccer out of my life. I don't know if I was good enough to play for Manchester United, but hey, it's a great story. 
But I did love soccer. And I did see myself doing something significant in that area. And then lo and behold, the desire for that thing almost fell off overnight as the Holy Spirit just blew on my life. Be open for Him to come and blow and do what He wants to do. He's like a dove. Think about a dove. A dove is not like a seagull. Seagulls are in your face. Like, ah, give us a tip. <laughs> Have you ever done that? I don't know what it is about seagulls. There can be not a seagull in sight. The moment you buy fish and chips, they're like, nah, nah, nah. they're just everywhere. And they're pretty audacious things. They walk up. And they even do the, I've got one leg. They, have you ever given a chip to a seagull? Because you think, poor fella. And then he goes, ha ha, and it just flies off. I've been deceived by seagulls. The Holy Spirit's not like that. He's not deceptive. He's not loud, noxious. He's more like a dove. In a park bench. Eating a sandwich. Dove would just be like, Just waiting. Just waiting to see if you want to engage him. Seagull, get us a chip! Dove. Next week I'm going to wear a dove suit. I spent a lot of time preparing messages. What you need to know, most of what I share is never written down. I shouldn't be able to do this. This is a miracle. I shouldn't be able to walk. Three weeks out of an operation. God is good. There's the power of the person of the Holy Spirit at work inside me right now. And he's at work inside you right now. What are you going to let him do? The Holy Spirit's here today saying, with a dove, you can scare them off real quick. Do that with a dove, boom, they're gone. Seagull, mate, they just... In actual fact, seagulls scare me. The third person, sorry, the Holy Spirit is a person. In John chapter 14, verse 26, it says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, this is Jesus speaking, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have said to you. Holy Spirit, number one, is a person. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is is fully God. The Bible says that there is one God. And the Godhead, this, this one God consists of three distinct persons. We have God the Father. We have God the Son, Jesus Christ. And we have God the Spirit, the Holy 
Spirit. In Acts chapter 5, verse 3 to 4, there's an account where Peter has to address a particular man who is being deceptive. And this is what he said. He said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? You've got to get that. He lied to the Holy Spirit. You've kept for yourself some money that you received from the land. Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think you could do such a thing? You've not just lied to humans. You've not just lied to us, but you've lied to God. He uses God and the Spirit interchangeably because they are one in the same God. The Holy Spirit is indeed, number one, a person. Number two, he is fully God. This is what we know as the Trinity. The word Trinity is not actually in the Bible, but there is reference to this Godhead being three in one and one in three. And there is a unity amongst the three. Hence a trinity, a tri-unity. There are three on the same page, working together for the same purpose. Can you imagine if the church had such unity? This unity that we dream of, this unity that we are aiming for, is a reality for the Godhead. There is no dissension amongst the three. They are in perfect unity. They are three in perfect unity, hence this trinity. The Holy Spirit is not the third wheel in the relationship. Nobody wants to be the third wheel. Have you ever been the third wheel in a relationship where the guy, your best mate, asks you to come around and his girlfriend's there? Have, have, you, ever, have you ever been in that environment? You walk around, ah, oh. hi, you're here. It's not that you don't like her, it's just now awkward. I think that's how we feel about the Holy Spirit, this third wheel, kind of God the Father, yes, awesome. Jesus, oh man, who can deny the power of Jesus, a resurrection? Holy Spirit, don't quite know what to do with you. This forgotten God, this don't quite know what to do with you, God. There's such confusion. Some people say, allow to worship the Holy Spirit. Well, if you know and understand that He's God, of course you can worship the Holy Spirit because He's God. Can you worship Jesus? Of course we can, because he's God. Can we worship God the Father? Of course we can, because he's God. Should we acknowledge the Holy Spirit in our meetings? Yes, because he's God. Should we sing about him? Absolutely, because he's God. In actual fact, there's a new song being released just this week by Hillsong. And they've taken the old Apostles' Creed and put it to song. In actual fact, it was, a, it was a Sydney Anglican priest that asked Hillsong Church, with all their skill and gifting and ability, could they not put this creed to song? That's unity. That's the churches working together. And this song will be sung all over the world and it will be released and we will certainly be doing it in this church. I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. I believe that. I believe that the Holy Spirit is indeed fully God. He's every bit as God as the Father is, which means the Holy Spirit is ever-present. Psalm 139, verses 7 to 8. That He's eternal. We see that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. He's all-knowing. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 to 11. He's all powerful, Romans 15, verse 19. And so I could go on and on and on. Is he holy? Of course he is. His name gives that away. He's a Holy Spirit. 
It's not an alcoholic spirit. You laugh. But Paul says, don't be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. He, he, he says, it's not, we're not talking about alcohol. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. The one that can empower you for holy living. Without this holy power inside of us, these holy notions that have been laid out are just, just man, how can live by that? I fully understand a person that loves God that has not been empowered by the Holy Spirit that, that kind of waters down the Word of God and makes a lot of it symbolism. I fully understand why people turn the powerful Word of God into symbolism. Because they don't understand the bigness of our God. It's an amazing thing to me that right now, billions, billions, billions and billions of dollars is being spent on getting a man to Mars. And we're struggling and it's taking effort, time, energy. It's taken years. And it may take years yet if it happens at all. And we will spend billions more dollars trying to get a man to Mars. And if we do, we'll say, how clever are we? Yet in the beginning, God just said, Mars. Didn't take billions of dollars. Didn't take a, a, it took a fraction of a second. Let it be. And it was. We're not going to be able to comprehend a God like this with our natural finite minds. We need something holy, something powerful, something bigger on the inside of us to even begin to grasp. And even then we'll struggle. But without the third person of the Godhead dwelling on the inside of us, we don't stand a chance for Christian living. You've been set up for, to fail if you think you can be a good Christian boy or a good, good Christian girl without the third person of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God with different roles. God the Father planned our salvation from the beginning of time. Jesus died for the sins and made salvation possible. And the Holy Spirit is involved in making our salvation actual. One God, same God, different roles, different functions. Which brings me to my third and final point this morning. And that is this, that the Holy Spirit is with us now. It's amazing. The person of the Godhead that we ignore the most is the one who's with us. God the Father is not with us. He's in heaven on his throne. Jesus the Son is not with us. He's in heaven next to the Father on his throne. The third person of the Godhead who is with us is the Holy Spirit. And he's the one we neglect and ignore the most. But he is with us. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 says, One occasion, while he was eating with them, this is Jesus. He gave them this command. So Jesus is now speaking. I know that because it's written in red and everything written in red is the word of the Lord. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father has promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John, John the Baptist baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus commissioned the early church, he commissioned the disciples to go into all nations, to baptize, to save, heal, deliver people from their sin, from their depravity. He said, but before you do that, please, whoa, 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 stop. 
Don't do any of what I've just told you to do until you've been empowered from on high. Until I've given you your super suit. No superhero fights without his super suit. Don't go anywhere until I have empowered you to do what I've asked you to do. If you try and do what I'm asking you to do without the power to do it, you're going to fail, get hurt, get upset, backslide, complain, get out of ministry. What does that sound like? Maybe, just maybe, the reason backslide, the reason people give up, the reason people give in, maybe it's not the pastor's fault. Maybe it's not God's fault. Maybe it's not the church's fault. Maybe it's because we have not been given the power to do what we otherwise could not do. And that's why Jesus said, whatever you do, guys, I, I know you're eager. I know you're eager. But you've got to wait. And let's be honest, that's what we hate doing. Is there a person who actually exists that says, you know what? I just love waiting. I've never met a person who likes waiting. And Jesus says, before you do anything, wait, wait, wait. It's that important that you have what you need on the inside of you before you begin to do what I've asked you to do. That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to enable you to do what you can't do by yourself. It reminds me of a story of a little boy who was helping his dad move some rocks. And the father looked down at his son and said, I want you to pick up that rock and put it in the wheelbarrow. And the kid, with all his strength, underline his strength in your mind right now, tried. He looked at his dad and said, I can't do it. And the dad says, have you used all your strength? He says, yes, I have. He says, now try again. So it goes. Dad. <laughs> I can't do it. He says, have you used all your strength? He says, yeah, come here, like, try one more time. Tries to go, Jesus. And now he's having a hissy fit. Can you imagine this kid blaming the dad? You've asked me to do something I can't do. He said, son, you haven't used all your strength. Yes, I have, dad. No, you haven't. Yes, I have, dad. No, you haven't. It's went on for half an hour. Dad says, you haven't used all your strength. Because you haven't asked for my strength. You can't love your enemies, people. Jesus said, love your enemies. You can't do it. So don't try and do it. Stop trying to love your enemies. This is what it looks like. I tried that. How many of you have been a person? I tried Christianity. It doesn't work. You know what? It doesn't. You can't do what Jesus asked you to do without being empowered. You can't. Of course it's not going to work. Of course it's not going to work. 
As a young boy growing up, I learned a trade. It's called sign writing. It's a dying art. I don't even think it exists anymore. But to do that job, I needed certain tools. I couldn't be a sign writer with no brushes, with no paint. Imagine me trying to do signs with no brushes and no paint. I mean, I'm good, but I'm not that good. You need certain tools. And to live the Christian life that we read about in the Word of God, when we try to live the Christian life that Jesus asked us to live, you can't do it by yourself. We need the power of the person, the Holy Spirit, work in our life. I'm tired of my enthusiasm getting put down to my blood type. I'm tired of saying, you're a positive guy. Of course I am. Of course I'm positive. Why wouldn't I be? Got the power of the Holy Spirit at work in me. Why would I be anything else but positive? If my blood type was O negative, I'd be positive. Because my positivity is not dependent upon my blood type. So all you O negatives out there, be positive. And you can be if you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in the upper room. Suddenly, everyone say suddenly. suddenly. This is the move of God. This is, this is how God moves. Wait, 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 wait. They've been waiting 10 days. Day one, they've been told to go to the upper room and wait. This is what they interpreted wait mean, a day. Tops. Hoping for a couple of hours, but a day tops and I'm done. A day, nothing. This is how God works. Wait, 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 wait. When you're about to give up, wait, wait, wait. Suddenly. Day 10, this is day 10. They've waited for 10 days. I don't know what their prayer looked like. Father, your son Jesus told us about this third person, the Holy Spirit that's going to come. We don't know what he looks like. We don't know what he sounds like. We don't even know what we're waiting for, but come. Um, Father, I remember Jesus telling us something about this guy. I, I don't know what it is, force, influence. I don't know, but come. Nothing. Ten days. Then on the day of Pentecost, suddenly, the sound of a blowing, sorry, the sound, sorry, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on them. All of them were filled. All of them were filled. They were all skeptics. All of them were filled because they were prepared to wait. Maybe we're not being filled, not because we're skeptical, but because we're impatient. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. On the day of Pentecost, as a band comes, on the day of Pentecost, there was a great outpouring of this person I've been speaking about, the Holy Spirit. Before the Holy Spirit came, they were in an upper room with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Locked away, afraid, before the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. Yes, they spoke in tongues. Do I speak in tongues? Yes. Do I believe tongues is for everyone? Yes, I do. But I'm not talking about that today. This is what I do know. They didn't just stay there and say, hey, speak in tongues again. 
Hey, pray for me, fall over and speak in tongues. Let's have a Holy Ghost revival meeting. They didn't do that. The first thing they did, they unlocked the doors. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not for the four walls of the church. It's to empower you to live out there. Not that we may play church in here. Can you pray for me again? You know what? No. <laughs> We've got to unlock the doors. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it changes you. This power is all-consuming. It changes the way you speak. It changes the way you act. It changes the way you think. They went from fear to boldness in an instant. They went from not knowing what to say to them standing in front of thousands of people and declaring. And Peter was not the only one speaking that day. It says this 12 stood up and spoke. Peter was obviously the chief speaker, but they all had something to say now. They didn't just leave it to Peter. They all had something to say. I believe the evidence of the Holy Spirit at work in your life is a changed life. We think it, we've reduced the power of this third person of the Godhead to whether you speak in tongues or not. Are you kidding me? As if God wants to fill us so we speak in tongues and play church. That's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to empower us for godly living in an ungodly environment. It's easy not to swear here. Well, for some of us it's not, but for most of us, for most of us we can come to church and not swear. For most of us we can come to church and not smoke. For most of us we can come to church and not say a bad thing about somebody in the room. We might be thinking it, but we didn't say it. But it's when you're in your unguarded, at home, in your own world environment, and Jesus said to the disciples, go into the world. Now, you're not going to go to every country in the world. What he's on about is go into your world and infiltrate your world. Your world could be your school or university. It could be your workplace or your shopping centre. It's your world. Go into your world and be incredible because you have Mr. Incredible in you, the hope of glory in you. We are sons and daughters of the living God, led by the Spirit of God. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do. When you're walking somewhere and you shouldn't get involved in something, the Holy Spirit's leading you. Don't go there. Don't go there. The Holy Spirit empowers you to not go there. When you see something you don't want to get involved in, but the Holy Spirit wants you to get involved in, He says, go and help that woman. Go and help that woman. And you just, you don't want to, but you do it because you're led by and empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what I'm talking about. I don't want a theological debate with you about what I did say or didn't say today. I want to change life. I love Hillsong Conference and we're going to be there next week. But I wonder of the 30 odd thousand that go, how many are going to come back changed? Well, how many are going to say, that was good. I liked him better than her and she was better than him. And I don't know, I don't know about that. Oh, hasn't Brian got all? I mean, like, whatever. It's rude. The conference is not for you to critique. The conference is to change you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you. 
In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and all of those who are far off. Peter said this promise is not just for the B-positive blood types, not just for the outgoing ones, not just, going, not just for the charismatic ones. You don't understand, I'm just an introvert. He did not say this is for the charismatics. He said, every one of you. Don't think just because you're less charismatic, you don't struggle with loving your enemies. The Holy Spirit's for you. Oh, it's easy for you, Tony. You stand up in front of people, talk all the time. It's easy. Loving our enemies is never easy for anybody. I would say it's impossible. But what's impossible for us is possible for God. Is God the Holy Spirit God? Yeah. Maybe we've been struggling because we haven't had enough of God. Maybe our prayers haven't been prayers at all. Maybe they've just been communion with our worries. Instead of asking, God, you've asked me to do something. I can't do it. I'm struggling. I ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to live out your word in my life. That's prayer. A lot of our prayers are nothing more than just communion with our worries. I'm scared. I'm afraid. Nobody loves me. If I say that, they won't like me. That's not praying. I don't know what that is, but it's not praying. Mr. Incredible wants to make you Mr. and Mrs. Incredible. You can have an incredible life. You can have an incredible life. And an incredible life isn't always a comfortable life. We're going to talk about this next week. One of the, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to comfort you. It doesn't mean He'll make you comfortable. He'll make you very uncomfortable, but comfort you in your uncomfortability. That's what He'll do. Don't put a twist on what the Word of God says. He'll take you through your darkest days and comfort you in your darkest days. John chapter 17, Jesus prays for the disciples. He says, I pray that you won't take them out of the world, but you'll take them through. Some of the situations you're in right now, God's not listening to you, put your prayer, and He's not going to answer your prayer according to what you want. Because your brain, take me out! Get me out! And He's saying, put your super suit on and go through it. This promise is for everyone who believes. Three questions and we're done. Let's stand to our feet. As we come around the communion time, what is communion? Communion dates back some 2,000 years ago on the night Jesus Christ was betrayed. And he took the cup, which was just a glass of wine, and said, this is the cup of a new covenant. It represents my blood about to be shed for the forgiveness of your sins. He said, drink in remembrance of me. Thank you there, my friend. Likewise, he broke the bread and said, this, this bread represents my body that's about to be broken for you. I want you to eat it in remembrance of me. We've since made a religious debate about that moment as to how often we should do it, whether it should be alcoholic wine or not, whether it has to be actually red substance or can you use a white cordial. We've, we've missed the point. The only thing Jesus said about that time is do it in remembrance of me. 
didn't say use alcoholic wine or not. Can it be carbonated? I mean, we get off the point. I remember we was on a youth camp. We didn't have any, any, any substance that was red. We just had some orange cordial. And there was debate as to whether we could drink the orange cordial because it was Jesus' blood orange. I said, I don't think Jesus' blood was cordial, but hey. For that matter, I don't think it was red wine. I mean, where, where does this stop? Where does the nonsense stop? And so he took the bread, broke it, said, eat this. All he asks us to do is eat and drink in remembrance. And I'd like to think right now, at the forefront of our thinking is Jesus Christ and all that he's done for us. And so my three questions, very quickly, in light of all that I've shared, is do you believe God? Do you believe God? If you do, it was Jesus himself who said, you need the Holy Spirit. It's a matter of whether you believe God or not. Secondly, do you trust God? Maybe you've asked God for the Holy Spirit before. Maybe you feel like He's let you know. Do you trust Him to ask again? And thirdly, do you want God? Not a power, not a force, not a style, not an influence, but do you want Him? Do you want this third person to invade your world with whatever that looks like? My life pursuit has been just that. Come, whatever, whatever may, come. Whatever comes my way, I don't even know what I'm saying, but come. This I know. You'll give me power. You'll give me grace. You'll give me forgiveness. You'll give me love. You'll give me understanding to face whatever comes. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.